This is the GOAT Level Podcast with your host, the GOAT, the legend, the hero, Van Pugh. Wow! Look who is 1 and 0. Look who is 1 and 0. The birds. The birds. Y'all were disrespectful all offseason. All offseason, everyone just wrote off the Eagles. Y'all just all said they were going to be in last place. Just all assume, you know, Cowboys and Washington just going to run away with this division. And then I said, when I was looking through the schedule, that the Eagles were going to be 9-8, and eight, maybe 10-7. and seven. Actually, today was going to be in 10-7. Ten, ten and seven. And it was going to come down to the last game of the season between Dallas and Philly in Philly. And right now, I'm looking good. Because they clearly look like the best two teams in the division. But see, y'all will disrespect. But the Bible said, Matthew 2016, said whoever last shall be first, whoever first shall be last. Eagles been projected to be last place all offseason. And now they are in first. See, they can keep this up. I hope they keep this up. It does get harder from here. The 49ers look good. I don't know what they were doing in the fourth quarter against the Lions, but they still look good. The Cowboys look good even in a loss. The Eagles don't match up with the Cowboys' offense whatsoever. But I feel like on offense, we can do something on offense. And it, it's, it should be a shootout when the Eagles play the Cowboys. Both games should be a shootout. Kind of like kind of like it was last season in Dallas. That was a pretty high-scoring game. That was a pretty fast-paced, high-scoring game. I expect the same thing this season. But looking good. See, what I didn't understand was why the Falcons were a four-point favorite. Okay, I actually do understand. They were at home. A lot of uncertainty with the Eagles. Uh, no one knows if Jalen Hurts is the right quarterback. They don't know if he's a franchise quarterback. A lot of people don't even think he's really an NFL quarterback and expect him to be replaced by Gardner Minshew, who they expect to be replaced by whoever's in college right now. Maybe Spencer Rattler or Sam Howell. No. Jalen Hurts is the man. When I saw what he did for my Sooners, the way he carried them to the playoffs, even with all them turnovers, he battled adversity every single game, almost every single game, and dragged us to the playoffs. I was a believer. There's nothing this guy can do. I'm serious. And I was watching the game, and some of the plays he made at the end of the fourth quarter to escape the rush, beautiful. And some of the throws he was making, man, if he can play like this the entire season, we're going to the playoffs. There is no doubt about it. There is no way Washington sitcom can beat us because they, they're gonna be they're gonna be chasing Jalen Hurts the entire game. They won't catch him. There's no way the Giants will beat us, especially if they can't run the ball. That means our D-line can tee off on them. And it's a wrap. I don't care if Daniel Jones can run. It's looking good. It's looking good. It, it's still gonna be tough though, because we got a lot of good teams on our schedule. You got the Chiefs, you got the 49ers, the Cowboys, um, you got the Chargers. 
honestly, the Chargers were playing with the football team. Like the way the way that Justin Herbert was able to get what he won against that secondary. I said all along, if you can block that D-line, you're good. Then you can expose that secondary. That is the key to beating that Washington defense. And, you know, they were they were marching up and down the field, but what killed the Chargers, what almost lost in the game was they kept settling for field goals, and Justin Herbert had some head-scratching turnover in the red zone. I was like, what are you doing? But luckily for them, Washington sitcom had their own mistakes. This is this is just typical Washington sitcom. They just do something hilarious to lose the game. And this time, it was Antonio Gibson fumbling at his own five-yard line. How do you fumble at your own five-yard line? How? Inexcusable. And, of course, the Chargers punched it in. And then, and then, here's the next, here's the next funny thing they did to lose the game. They gave up a third and 16 to Keenan Allen. Out of all the people to account for on a third and 16, I, I would assume that Keenan Allen would be number one on that list. What are you doing? But that's okay. Keep playing around. Keep playing around. The Eagles will will pass you. And they will battle it out with the Cowboys for the division lead. Keep on playing. Keep on sleeping. Because the hammer is coming. Now, real quick, the rest of week one. Oh, Cowboys Bucks was amazing. It was amazing. It was it was very high scoring, and um, Dak Prescott didn't miss a beat. He didn't skip a beat. Like it's like he didn't even go through everything he went through. He was balling. Amari Cooper had over 100 yards. So did C.D. Lamb, and Michael Gallup would have too if he didn't get hurt. And that's with the physical, touchy grabby, Tampa Bay secondary. They still got what they wanted. But, of course, you know, you give Tom Brady a minute 30 on the clock, down one, you expect him to go score and win the game. And that's exactly what he did. I loved it. Honestly, man, they did whatever they wanted against Dallas. It's just that the dumb turnovers, just just like the Chargers, the dumb turnovers and mistakes that kept their opponent in the game, same thing in that game. The the fumbles, the the tip pass on the screen, it was dumb. What what are we doing? But yeah, man, um both teams look good. And they're both on the Eagles schedule. It's gonna be tough. But I think the Eagles will be game. You know, there was no reason to sleep on the Eagles where they got Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, Darius Slay, Steven Nelson. Come on, man. Come on, man. You got all them ballers on defense, but you're sleeping on us. Hargraves had a great game. Like, y'all sleep. They're going to be game, and they're going to give people a lot of problems. It's on. 
And speaking of teams who are on the Eagles schedule, the Raiders. The Raiders look real good against the Ravens. Derek Carr looked like he's up to his normal trick. You know, there was a point in time last season where Derek Carr looked like a top five quarterback. And that second half against the Ravens, he was spectacular. He was spectacular. And who's going to stop Darren Waller? Like, it's hard to stop. But they're on the schedule, too. And, you know, I did not expect the Raiders and Ravens to be a good game. I thought the Ravens were going to beat them handily, and they were at first. And then the Raiders came back. And, you know what I'm saying? They got the plays they needed. But that ending, that ending was sick. The the Raiders should have easily, in overtime, easily closed it out. They were at the one-yard line. You don't get in with a QB sneak. Then your tackle jumps off sides. I was like, oh, they're going to mess this up, aren't they? They're going to mess this up. And sure enough, the ball go through his receiver's hand, off somebody's helmet, and picked off. But luckily for the Raiders, Lamar Jackson fumbled again. And Mark Andrews before that, which very disappointing because that's my man's from OU. Uh, Mark Andrews dropped the pass. If he don't drop that pass, they call a completely different play on that um, on that third down where Lamar Jackson got sacked and fumbled. Just very disappointing from that standpoint. And they called a cover zero blitz on that last play. Uh, Marlon Humphrey got picked off by his own man. They were like, it was, I guess it was a great design by the Raiders because their receivers were in bunch. And that caused the Ravens to man up in bunch. They just, they ran some sort of concept where the DBs ran into each other. And there he is. And one of them got open. That, that that was a separation they needed, and they scored. It's a shame. But, you know, the way the, the Raiders played in the second half, they're not going to be easy out. And yet still, yet still, the Eagles have a chance in this division. I truly believe so. I watched the Seahawks and Colts highlights. They were getting to to Russell Wilson, but some of them throws he made were just beautiful. Just just beautiful. The Tyler Lockett, bruh. They haven't skipped a beat. They're they're just it looked like they're just right back to where they were beginning of the season. I mean the Colts stayed in it, but it's just Seahawks were too much. Seahawks were just too much. I mean, it is what it is. But, hey, Carson Wentz had a decent start. I mean, it wasn't perfect, but, you know, they stayed in the game. Oh, and another thing about that Eagles and Falcons game, uh, other than them dominating in the second half, no turnovers for Jalen Hurts, and that is important. No turnovers for Jalen Hurts because that was the main thing I was worried about with Jalen Hurts. And all the games I've watched him in, since he became a Sooner in 2019, yeah, 2019, the turnovers is his biggest problem. He held on to that ball. He protected it. He was making the right and accurate throws. And, and I, I loved it. If he keep playing like that, we can handle this tough schedule and 
they'll be battle tested going into the playoffs. I I love it. This okay, it might be a little bit of an overreaction, but from the looks of it, this team is going to be a tough out every Sunday. Yeah, like I said, you got the 49ers next week. I don't know what they were doing in the fourth quarter. I don't know why they just decided to just BS like Florida State. <laughs> just like Florida State. They just allow people to run wide open in the fourth quarter, and then the next thing you know, it's a one-score game. <laughs> it's a one-score game, and the team got the ball with, what, less than a minute to go driving to tie the game. You were just up 41-17. to 17. Like, they were loafing. Just shows you, just never give up. Just never give up. You're never out of it, especially in the NFL. Oh, okay, what else about week one? Uh, the Rams look amazing. They look like a, a serious NFC contender. But what else is new? The Packers, I don't know what they were doing. I really don't. It looked like the Space Jam monsters took their powers. It looked like they were playing on... Rookie mode. It looked like it looked like the Saints were playing against the Packers on pro mode on Madden. It was that bad. Aaron Rodgers, two of the most uncharacteristic interceptions I've ever seen him throw. I mean, and, and then the way the Saints were able to run the ball to get key first downs, and Jameis Winston not making mistakes. Him too, like just like Jalen Hurts, like he's able to not make mistakes and be accurate. Yeah, he had less than 200 yards, but he had five TDs because just the field position was great all game. So th- they said something on SportsCenter that no team has ever lost by 30 in the opener and won the Super Bowl. If any team can, um, if any team can change that stat, it's the Packers. But I don't think they will. It's just too much competition. You got Tampa Bay, the Rams, the Seahawks, whoever comes out of the NFC East. I don't laugh. Don't laugh. I'm serious. Even the AFC, you got the Ravens, the Chiefs, the Titans, if they can get back together. I mean, the whole NFC West is insane. You know, you got to compete with them. The whole AFC North is insane. So it's going to be tough sledding. And the Packers got to play the AFC North. No easy games on that. No easy games at all. The Browns, the Ravens, the Steelers, the what? The Bengals? Even the Bengals. Even if you slay their defense, you got to worry about Joe Burrow and all those fire receivers he has. Ah, boy. You're in trouble, Green Bay. You're in trouble. It's going to be a lot harder to get back to the NFC Championship. And even if you get past the NFC Championship, you're a Super Bowl opponent. You're going to be an underdog. On God. But like I said, Kyler Murray. Oh, my God. Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray was spectacular. I'm so mad. I slept on him. How did I sleep on him in fantasy? But that's okay. He's on my NFL.com team. I had to make sure. I had to choose between Dak and, and Kyler. I was like, I'm going to choose Kyler, but I could go with either one of them guys because they're probably going to be the best two fantasy quarterbacks. They're probably going to be the best two fantasy quarterbacks. They definitely were this um, 
they definitely were this week. Well, Matt Stafford. And I got Matt Stafford on like three teams, and that works out great for me. <laughs> that works out great for me because he, he got me a lot of points. But, yeah, those are your top three so far with fantasy QBs. Matt Stafford, Kyler Murray, uh, Dak Prescott. Like, see, I'm about to look up the Cardinals versus Titans box score. Like, Kyler Murray went off. They won 38-13. And just, just look at this. Kyler Murray, 21 for 32, 289, four touchdowns. Even DeAndre Hopkins, six receptions, 83 yards, two touchdowns. Wow. Uh, what else? What else we got here? Um, Kyler Murray rushed for another touchdown. This guy is the truth, bro. He is the truth. Too short, huh? Yeah, okay. The Steelers beating the Bills, it was a shock to me at first. But the more I thought about it, I was like, you know, the Steelers' defense is lit. They got Minka Fitzpatrick. They got J.J. Watt. I mean, they got T.J. Watt. Them guys are for real. I mean, don't forget, you know, they they had a pretty good defense last year until – Late in the season. And I'm going to end with this. I mean, okay, the Texans beating the Jaguars. Everyone expected the, tight, the Texans to be 0-17 or 2-15. and And they came out in one week one over Trevor Lawrence. Everyone just assumed that Trevor Lawrence was just going to run over this team. And Tyrod Taylor was spectacular. But to be honest, this he did this with the Bills, remember? When um they came out and punched the Colts in the mouth and the Colts had Andrew Luck, yeah, it's kind of like that. I'm not saying they're going to be a playoff team, but they're going to win more games than we expect. I don't blame them because everyone's expecting them to be the worst team in the NFL. No pressure. No pressure at all. That was the last thing I was going to talk about. Oh, yeah, the Giants got killed, and I love the – the Broncos celebration, but the Chiefs and the Browns, probably the most hyped game on the schedule. That game, that lived up to the hype. The Browns came out, did what they were supposed to do, got up 22-10, and then the Chiefs just showed why they are the Chiefs. I mean, it, it didn't help that, you know, the punter fumbled the ball deep in their territory. That's some Washington sitcom type nonsense. But <laughs> the Chiefs punched that one in. It's just Mahomes making crazy throws and just them on defense. That that Chris Jones guy, he he's underrated. Like, we talk about that offense all the time, but he is a force down there on the defensive line. He is a force. And I didn't even know the Honey Badger didn't even play. That's crazy. I mean, Baker, Baker did what he could. But it's just at the end, he tried to throw the ball away and threw that game-ending interception. You know, they they lost. You know, the Browns lost by four. The Chiefs were too much. But, you know, they got everyone's respect. And they showed they are here to stay. OBJ didn't even play. I would love to see how that offense looks with OBJ. He's coming back. Because he was running around in warm-ups. That's a good sign. That shows me that he has a chance to be back. 
And I can't wait. I cannot wait. Now, that's enough for the NFL, which was lit. I mean, it's so much. There's probably some stuff I'm missing or forgot to talk about. I could do a whole show just off the NFL. Like, it's crazy. But now it's time for... <laughs> the Sooner Schooner. It's football time in Oklahoma. They've already played two games. This just shows you how much I've been loafing with putting up episodes. So they beat Tulane, but they sweated it out. None of us knew Tulane was going to bring the fight to OU like that. I, I knew something was wrong when on the first drive, people were running open in the flats like no one was covering them. People were running open in the flats for Tulane. And I'm like, what are we doing on defense? Their QB got beat up the entire game. And he still was killing us. And I'm just looking at it as the game progressed. Like, Tulane was almost up 14-0. They were up 14-7. And it just looked like one of them type of games. It was like, Lord Jesus, I know they ain't about to upset us. But people were running wide open. I don't know what they were doing, but they made our defense look bad. And we weren't tackling. It was bad. But in the second quarter, they put the hammer down 23 points in the second quarter. 23 points in the second quarter. And they got up, what was that? They got up 37 to 14. Then they managed, then OU managed to only score three points in the second half. You got to be kidding me. This was very reminiscent of the Kansas State game where we struggled at first, then we got a comfortable lead, and then all of a sudden our offense just packs it in and now it's a close game and then we mess around and lose. Thankfully, though, thankfully, though, OU held on because at the end of the day, what was consistent in this game was that Tulane's offensive line could not block our defensive line. Like, our DNs were hitting the Dougie on their tackles. Like, I mean, <laughs> they were doing, they were dipping and dancing and moving. They couldn't catch, they couldn't block them. But what helped Tulane was they were able to get the ball out of their hands, and their quarterback was a running threat, and he was getting beat up. I don't know how he survived to get the damn game. I really don't. That That is one tough guy. But at the end of the day, it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. And, you know, I expected the fallout. I expected us to drop in the ranking. I also expected, yeah, yeah, I expected us to drop in the rankings. I expected people to say Spencer Rattler was overrated, doesn't deserve to be a first-round pick, and he's not going to win a Heisman, yada, yada, yada. Some people were hip. And still had Spencer Rattler as the Heisman favorite. And, you know, he still can. It was just one game. This is how last year started. Started off all slow. And then we start punishing people. Just like we punished Western Carolina. 76 to nothing. I just knew from the beginning that Western Carolina was in trouble. They, um, They did get a few little first downs at first. But once we stopped all that... We got on offense, and it was like clockwork. We just picked them apart. We did whatever we wanted. 
We didn't even we it, it, we took forever to punt. I don't even think we punted until the second half. It was like stop it, they're dead already. I got I got bored by the third quarter. I was like, we killing this team. They have no chance. Damn. So all the frustration from the two lane game, we just unleashed it on poor Western Carolina. Now Nebraska's next. They lost to Illinois, who got blasted in their next two games. And then Nebraska had another close game after that. And I'm just like, I think they had two close games after that with teams that had no business. No, one game was close, one game wasn't. Basically, we're better than Nebraska. We're better than, they lost to Illinois. That's all you need to say. They lost to Illinois. We should kill them. We should destroy them. This is not a game. Well, it is a game, but we should kill Nebraska. Then after Nebraska is West Virginia, who they lost to Maryland. They looked very mediocre against Maryland. We should beat them, especially at home. We should beat them. Then again, I mean, that's the same thing we thought about Tulane, and we sweat it out. But honestly, I'm not too worried. This is OU. They're, They're very talented. They got a great coaching staff. They're not going to be playing with West Virginia. They're not going to be playing with Nebraska. But October 2nd against Kansas State, oh, it's on. It's on. We on their ass. We going to get them this time. Kansas State 2-0, they beat Stanford, who beat USC at USC. That was a good win for Kansas State. And then, you know, they lost their quarterback and almost lost Southern Illinois. So I think... We're going to get a compromise, Kansas State, and we better kill them. But that's looking way far ahead. You got Nebraska. Let's take care of business. Get them out the way. Then we got West Virginia at home. Then we got to go to Manhattan. And then it's the game of all games, OU Texas. And, you know, I'm going to be real hyped for that, especially since I'm going to be there. But Boomer Sooner, 2-0, despite all the drama with the Tulane game and everyone, you know, being doom and gloom and overreacting and saying we're overrated. Boy, oh boy. Wow. But then, a team you ranked ahead of us, Ohio State. I'm hopping off the Sooner Schooner now. A team you ranked ahead of us, Ohio State, lost at home to Oregon, and they didn't even have their best player. They better than us, right? <laughs> No. And against Minnesota, they couldn't stop the run. They couldn't stop the run in either game. Like, they... Dog. They run an outside power. Oregon, C.J. Verdell, is getting to the outside, getting to the edge with ease. Come on, man. Don't you have all these five-star D-ends? D-linemen? Don't you got, like, five-star DBs? Come on, man. Y'all loafing. No Kayvon Thibodeau and you lost at home? Get out of here, bro. Get out of here. Need to quit playing. Y'all need to quit playing. Um, I don't even know what to say right now. I'm out here looking at my phone. <laughs> oh, man. But seriously, though, man, they dropped us in the rankings. They overreacted. We about to start putting the hammer down. And 
these teams are drunk. But the rest of college football, okay, UNC lost to Virginia Tech of all people. And now we're going to start overrating Virginia Tech. Like Virginia Tech maybe get one of these wins once a season and then they'll go on and lose to a mediocre team and then they lose to another mediocre team and then all of a sudden they ain't ranked no more. Man, come on, man. They got... I, they're going to have to prove today for real to me, man. Because eventually they're going to have to play Notre Dame. And even if they get past their schedule, they're probably going to have to play Clemson. Like, <laughs> like, man, come on, man. Like, I don't think they for real, bro. I think they just they played really good that day. But you start overrating Virginia Tech. It's not going to turn out well from from my experience. Maybe they're good. We'll see. Braxton Burmeister is pretty entertaining. Great dual threat quarterback. Can throw, can run. I, I, I love it, man. Like, I, I do like I do like him. But Virginia Tech, man, uh, I'm not a believer yet. That was a good win, though, because everyone was expecting uh, UNC to roll with Sam Howell, who was – arguably the number one pick in the draft and a Heisman contender, they made him look bad. And they got to him. But UNC came back and they beat whoever poor sucker they had to play the next week. They killed them. But yeah, Virginia Tech 2-0 beat UNC. They're ranked now. So it's let's not overrate them too much. I ain't that nice. But wait a minute, why am I hyping up them versus Notre Dame when Notre Dame almost lost to Florida State? They should they should have lost. But Florida State choked, missed field goal, of course. It's only right. It's only right. <laughs> they almost lost to Florida State after having a double-digit fourth-quarter lead. The McKenzie Milton story is pretty cool. What he came back from and being on that stage is awesome. The Notre Dame choke. And then the Tulane game, they only had a five-point lead for most of the game, or slim lead most of the game. And then Tulane took the lead in South Bend late in the fourth quarter. This is the Notre Dame team that we're supposed to be afraid of. To be honest, if they're on Virginia Tech schedule, I don't even know if they can beat Virginia Tech. And I just say Virginia Tech, I'm not a believer. But I'm like, if they play that Notre Dame team, they might beat them. But I'm not a believer in either of them teams. It don't even matter. Because at the end of the day, I mean, Clemson's going to win the ACC. Uh, Period. (laughs) It doesn't matter. Like, real talk. Uh, Wisconsin choked against Penn State. Big time interceptions by Graham Mertz. I remember when Graham Mertz committed to Wisconsin. I was like, why Wisconsin over Alabama and LSU? I didn't understand. And outside of one game, he's been pretty pedestrian. He's looked like pretty much every other Wisconsin quarterback. I don't know if it's the system. I don't know if it's, I don't know what it is. I don't know if the guys are real overrated. But (laughs) 
he only he threw for less than 20 yards and had two critical turnovers, especially one big one in the red zone to end the game. Like, Wisconsin choked again. Bro, they're in the same division as Iowa. Iowa is blasting, folks. They blew out Indiana and then beat Iowa State by double digits. Everyone's saying Iowa State is a main challenger to OU and a contender for an outside, a dark horse contender for the playoffs. Man, what? Iowa punished them. Well, mostly in the second half. Now, first half, it was a close game. But after that, come on. Man, go ahead, bro. Wisconsin, Wisconsin in trouble. Wisconsin's in big trouble. They're in the same division as Iowa. Iowa's probably going to blast them. <laughs> the way they playing right now. Jeez. Oh, I forgot. I forgot. Oh, man. Hey, yo, LSU lost to UCLA after, uh, what's the name? After Ed Orgeron said, we ain't scared of you in your sissy blue shirt. A75, that sissy blue shirt. <laughs> they got killed by the sissy blue shirts. They bodied them. Oh, my God. They lost to UCLA. No one expected that. Man, everyone's cooking at all. Because it just seemed like they haven't done anything since Joe Burrow. And it's the truth, though. It's the truth. Uh, Clemson and Georgia was a defensive classic. Like, you really had to like football to appreciate that game. Because it wasn't much scoring. Uh, The little bit I saw, it was just a lot of big third down stops. And a key turnover to give Georgia the game. But they're number two. I mean, I guess the only reason they're ahead of OU because their defense is lights out and they got the biggest win of the season. But I think we're better than them on offense. I don't know because they, they got they got a pretty decent running game. They got a pretty good running game. I mean, they can run and play defense. I mean, I feel like they can be almost anybody except Alabama who is predictably rolling everybody. <laughs> and one last thing I could not forget. I could not forget. We can't we can't we can't just let this slide. Texas. Texas. Texas got smoked. Wow. They got killed by Arkansas 40 to 14. I was peeking at the game cuz I, I was looking at the OU game at Astro Beer Hall downtown with the DC Sooner alumni. I was, they had the Texas game on. And I just saw Arkansas take the lead. And I was like, okay, I didn't really think much about it. Then they just kept shutting Texas down on defense. And then they kept the lead. And then next thing you know, I look up, it's 30 to 7. They were just, they just flat out. Out physical them. They just flat out beat them up. They flat out punched them in the mouth. So Texas benched their quarterback, uh, last name Card, and they started Casey Thompson, who we expected to start all along. It was man. And it's like Arkansas didn't even throw for that many yards. They ran the ball, controlled the clock, and played good defense. Texas look awful. 
I'm like, are you serious? And Texas fans, oh, man, you thought OU fans were panicking. Oh, Texas fans, like, oh, here we go again. Bruh, their side of OU Texas at the Cotton Bowl, those tickets are are, are being cut in half. Those tickets are like $500. I see tickets going for $250 now. What? They like, man, we done with this. I ain't we gonna go to we gonna go to the cotton bowl and get smoked. Cause our team trash. And you know that. That's why the cotton bowl tickets are cheaper. But we know, like us sooner fans, we know that when you play Texas, you have to throw the records out of the window. Don't forget now, this is the same stuff that happened. It was 2015. I went to this one. This is looking very 2015-ish. Where we came in there undefeated, 10th ranked. Texas already lost like two games already. They were unranked. And they beat us. That can happen. This isn't like, this ain't a game, bro. Like, when we get in that cotton bowl, we're going to have to come to play no matter what Texas record is. We know it. But it's still funny watching them lose, especially to Arkansas, who has been trash the past few years. But you lost to them. And it wasn't even close. And we're both going to the SEC. So you're going to see Arkansas again. You can't even beat Arkansas right now. How are you going to fare against Alabama and LSU? But then I said that when they only lost to the legendary LSU team in 2019 by seven and they beat Georgia. So I don't know. I don't know. It just depends, man. It just depends on how their team looks, I guess. Well, this year it ain't looking good. And from the looks of things, we should roll them, but it's a rivalry game. I expect that game to be close come October, regardless of what we've seen from the two teams so far. I expect it to be close. But, yeah, man, Texas loafing. (laughs) Now, I got to talk about the Nats. The Washington Nationals. Still trash. And rebuilding. It's just, you just got to be at peace with the L's. It's just take that L on steroids. Remember what I say with just take that L. It's the losses that become lessons. That'll make you a legend. With the Nationals, you have to take that approach. There is no choice in the matter because because it hurt, man. (laughs) The losses hurt. But the young players we have on the field are learning their lessons. They're learning how to be major leaguers. They're learning how to improve. They're learning how to win games on a major league level. So all those losses and lessons will help them make make them legends, and they will be legends when we win another World Series, I promise. Especially when we build around a player named Juan Goto. I mean Juan Soto. <laughs> but he is on that GOAT level. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. But seriously, though, man, I, I mean, I did go to the Nets in the Mets, on Labor Day, and thankfully, you know, when I recorded the last show, I was like, I'm going to go to this Mets game, and hopefully they win just for me, 
and they won just for me, man. We had to sweat it out, though. It was a close game. Corbin just did what he could. I mean, we couldn't stop Javi Baez. I mean, he looked unstoppable against Corbin. He went three for three and then just fizzled out after that. Lindor was getting on base. Yet somehow, some way, 3-3, bottom of the ninth. And I was looking at the lineup. We had the bottom of the lineup up. And I was just like, just like when we played the Padres. I was like, oh, here we go again. Bottom of the lineup, there ain't no way. There's no way. Somehow we get Alcides Escobar on base. Somehow we get Avilo on base. Andrew Stevenson, who's been clutched before, was clutch again. And then Alcides Escobar, apparently he didn't touch the base. Apparently he didn't touch home plate. I think that was the tying run. It was the tying run. Because we were down 3-2. So, apparently he didn't touch the base on his slot. From the replays I saw at the stadium, it looked like he did. But the more I look at it, the more it looked like he missed the plate. It doesn't matter. Like, we're both teams are long past that. Because this happened on Labor Day and it's like a week and a half later. And it's like a week later. So what what else? <laughs> so uh, Carter Keyboom, when Carter Keyboom went up, I was like, "Oh, we're screwed. We're screwed." Cuz you know, I mean, when I saw him in Philly, I mean, that was his first game starting the entire season. When I saw him in Philly, I was like, he didn't play well. I did not have any confidence in him after that. But ever since then, he got better and better and better. And he came through and hit that and hit that um, game-winning single, single for us that game. And I went home happy. And Mets fans were talking trash, leaving the stadium like, oh, you still in last place. You trash. Uh, I was like, y'all trash too. Y'all going to be right sitting right beside us come playoff time. Watching it. Y'all going to be watching the playoffs on the couch with us. Stop playing. But props to the Mets. They they um they got themselves together. They played. Well, of course, they beat, beat up on the Marlins. It's the Marlins. But the way they played against the Yankees this weekend on September 11th weekend was impressive. I, I'll give them that. I was salty. But they did it. They did it, man. They... And I'm looking at standings now. They're still five and a half back. Ha <laughs> ha. Suckers. Oh my God. Look at the Nationals. They're two games behind the Marlins. Ooh. Terp. But this is what happens, though. This is what happens when. I'm, I'm going to tell you what happened the last week or so. So they took two of three from the Mets. Very fortunate to get two wins out of that long five game series. We took one from the Braves. Then we lost the next two. So then we played the Pirates. I was assuming, okay, we're going to get two off the Pirates. Man, we lost twice against the Pirates. Including the first game where we had the lead. After a Josh Bell home run. Josh Bell returning to Pittsburgh, getting a standing ovation, hitting a home run. You got to love it. But we lost. Now, we took care of business that Sunday. Cool. 
Then we turn around against the Marlins, who are trash. And we lost 3-0 at home. You got to be kidding. They're playing again tonight, and uh, hopefully we quit messing around and put the hammer down. Same thing on Wednesday. We got to put the hammer down. We got to quit messing around. Just, just finish strong. I know we in last place. I know the tank is on. But we got to finish strong. Because you got to be kidding. You can't be serious. All this loose. But I'm going to just keep saying it. Just take that out. The losses that become lessons. That'll make you a legend. And that's how I have to see the 2021 Nationals. Because it's pain. It's all pain. It's all pain. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Anyway. <laughs> all right, fantasy football. Um, So I went from three teams, four teams actually, went from three teams to four teams, and now all of a sudden I got seven teams. So... After my draft on Wednesday, I decided to join two more leagues on a whim because I was on a fantasy football drafting high. Unbelievable. I I don't know how I did that. And then, of course, I was like, I got to have another NFL.com team. So I backed out of two leagues and ended up drafting yesterday. So... That team, I lo- it looks like I have another loaded NFL.com team because I don't know what it is about that site, but once again, I'm in a league where no one showed up for the draft, so it was open season on good players. It was open season on good players. Look at this. Look at this. Look at this. Look at this. NFL.com team. Kyler Murray, Melvin Gordon. Alvin Kamara, Mike Evans, Tyreek Hill, George Kittle, Odell Beckham Jr., Kirk Cousins, Damian Harris, Kareem Hunt, Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, Tyler Higby, Brandon McManus, Saints defense. Loaded. Load another loaded squad. Another one. Hmm. So that fantasy team, since I drafted on Monday, they didn't didn't have a record for week one. Right. So between my other six teams, I went three and three, I believe. Yeah. So my most important team with my college friends ended up being the worst performing team. Got absolutely destroyed. So this team that I this one of the teams I joined on a whim, they won because Darren Waller went off. So that was a great comeback win. So they're one and zero. Simply great is one and zero. Goats, goats, yeah, goat level heroes in this league with one of my high school friends. That that was another comeback win with two zeros. Zach Moss and Odell Beckham didn't even play, and I still won. There, that team is one and up. 
So, so I'm in the AWOD's Listeners League. Uh, AWOD is a radio host slash producer for 1067 and Fan. If you listen to sports radio in D.C., that's one of the main stations, them, them in 980. So he's a weekend host. So I was listening to him one day, and he invited his listeners to join the league. I jumped on it, and I'm 1-0. So that was another come-from-behind victory because I was getting smoked most of the week. So I got three 1-0 teams. So I'm 3-1 and one so far with those teams. So I got this team called Easy Money. They got blown out. Why did this team get blown out? Oh, because Saquon Barkley did absolutely nothing. Raheem Mostert got hurt. Zach Moss didn't play. That's pretty much it. I mean, <clears throat> just got smoked. I mean, it is what it is. I mean, I don't even know why I'm playing Saquon Barkley. <laughs> they don't block for him. I also got a Yahoo.com team, which is another league I do with um, some of my high school folks. And uh, that team, I lost I lost by a very slim margin. That was another come-from-behind victory. I mean, another come-from-behind game where I was losing and projected to lose by 20. And yet, only lost by 8. Yeah, only lost by 8. I was projected to lose by 20. And the only reason I lost is because Zeke only had five points. That was my number one pick. And he had five points. Just imagine if he had a if he had a regular game, I would have won. What is life right now? If I had a rec bruh. If he had a regular game, I would have won. Period. But that's fantasy. That's that's the way my fantasy is looking right now. I have three 1-0 teams, an 0-1 team, and a team that's debuting week two, and they are loaded. And they are going to destroy because it's just it's too much talent. There's no way. There's no way I'm going to lose. <laughs> just, it's going to be just like last year. Oh, and that team is called the Washington sitcom. <laughs> Got to make fun of the, the local team here. Playing whatever they call it. They call it football they're playing over there, but I don't I don't know what they're doing. <laughs> All right, man. But now it's time for the hypothetical game of the episode. I, 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 I. In this episode it is the Eagles and the Falcons, but with legends involved. So it's the Eagles-Falcons rematch with legends involved. So I got this from Twitter. I think it was a question on Twitter if you can put, I guess, three legends on your current team, who would it be? And I said Reggie White. Brian Dawkins, T.O. So I took it a step further. So I did uh, with the Eagles, Donovan McNabb, T.O., Reggie White, Brian Dawkins, Jerome Brown. So for the Falcons, it was it's Madden 04 Vic, Jamal Anderson, Prime Julio Jones, Deion Sanders, D'Angelo Hall. 
So we just adding to the current teams and putting legends on it. This this just this makes Eagles Falcons a little bit more fun than the game that happened on Sunday. So here we go. Let's get right into it. To start off with, the Falcons get the ball. They go three and out. Then McNabb throws the T.O. deep post play, and they are connecting all already. McNabb throws the T.O. on a deep post play for a touchdown, and he high steps to the end zone. He does the Dion high step, and it's 7-0 Eagles, just like that. Unfortunately, that would be T.O.'s only catch of the half. So then the Falcons come right back, 20-yard dig, to Julio Jones. He stiff arms Brian Dawkins. Then Vic is chased. Circles around. Reverses fields. Runs away from the Hall of Fame D lineman. Stops. Plants. Shakes Wilson and Singleton the linebackers. Then Slay got blocked by the tackle. And then he outruns Kayvon Wallace the safety for the touchdown, 55 yards, it's 7-7. Falcons and Eagles are tied. And so then the defense is locked down, and the end of the quarter is 7-7. Then Reggie White, in the second quarter, Reggie, Reggie White with a strip sack, Fletcher Cox picks it up for a touchdown, 14-7 Eagles. Then Vic throws it to Kyle Pitts, who is popped by Brian Dawkins, and it is picked off by Eric Wilson. Then McNabb, then they capitalized. The Eagles with another touchdown. McNabb to Dallas Goddard, the tight end. 13 yards, play action. 21-7 Eagles. But then the Eagles, I mean, no. But then the Falcons come right back. They put Deion Sanders on offense. He lines up to the to the left at receiver. They throw a reverse to him. He gets some blocks. He makes Brian Dawkins miss. And he high steps to the end zone. It is still, it is 21-14 Eagles. Eagles still have the lead. The Eagles put together a nice drive at the end of the half, but it ends in a field goal, a Jake Elliott field goal. So it's 24-14 Eagles. And they go into the half 24-14. Then to come out of the half, McNabb is picked off by D'Angelo Hall for a pass intended for Devontae Smith. He returned it deep into Eagles territory where the Falcons capitalized. Michael Vick scores on a rollout keeper. It is 24-21 Eagles. Eagles put put together another impressive drive, but a missed chase Elliott field goal keeps the score 24-21. Dawkins with another big hit as he punishes Calvin Ridley after he catches a pass down the middle. He fumbles, but the Falcons recover. Falcons with a chip shot field goal. Now it's 24-24. The big hits continue as Jerome Brown punishes Michael Vick. Causes another fumble. Reggie White recovers, but he did not score. He got tackled. Once again, Eagles got into Falcons territory, deep into Falcons territory. But on third and seven, McNabb is sacked by Deion Jones. And the Eagles kick another field goal, 27-24. And at the end of, end of three, it is 27-24 Eagles. Then, in the fourth quarter, Vic scrambles, escapes the rush, and he finds Calvin Ridley for a touchdown, 31-27 Falcons. The defense is locked down the rest of the quarter. 
the D-line just chasing Michael Vick around, putting a lot of pressure on him. The Falcons O-line don't really have answers, but Vick is amazing, and he's keeping him in it. Not only keeping him in it, they got the lead. <laughs> so down four. Eagles down four. 4.32 to go. McNabb back to pass. He throws it to T.O. 4.11. For 11 yards and comes right back to him for 12 yards. So, boom. No, no, he comes right back. Then he comes right back to T.O., for 25 yards on a slant. He is in a foot race with the sla- the safety, but he gets tackled. Then, Jalen Rager takes a screen pass for 34 yards for a touchdown. And now it is 34-31 Eagles with 2.47 to go. But Michael Vick is then sacked by Reggie White. Then he throws a short pass to Gage for 7 yards. Then he gets the 2-minute warning. But after the two-minute warning, incomplete pass, and it's fourth and short. Fourth and short, 154 to go. Eagles make a stop. They probably went. So Vic goes back to pass. Nothing's open. He scrambles. He gets to the first line, first down, and he gets destroyed by Brian Dawkins again. Close. It is close. They might have to measure. They do measure, and the Falcons still get the first down. They still get the first down, so they're alive. So then Vic completes the pass to Ridley, then he ends complete on second. Then on third down, late in the game, over a minute to go, Julio Jones does a double move, loses the cornerback, burns the safety, and he scores 55 yards, beautiful pass by Vic. And it is now 38-34 with the extra point. So now the Eagles got a chance. They started their own 25. McNabb hits Devontae Smith for a 20-yard dig. They take their last timeout after that. T.O. Mosses, prime time for 25 yards, gets in his face, but then quickly lines up. And McNabb throws three incompletions. It's 4th and 10, 30 seconds left. At the 30-yard line, T.O. catches a curl but it's tackled one yard short at the 21. And the Falcons turn over, take over on downs. And they win the hypothetical game of the episode, 38-34 after Michael Vick takes a knee. So that is the hypothetical game of the episode and the end of the episode. So you already know that I'm out. Peace. <laughs> Thanks for listening to another episode of the Goat Level Podcast. Make sure you share, subscribe, and get money.